afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Ellen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand, not necessarily soul-shaking things. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. Rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch style talk with the pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program's all about. Today's guest is Andrew Preuss, pastor of St. Paul and of Trinity Lutheran Churches in Iowa. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org. Or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that number is 314-821-0850. Or toll-free anywhere in the lower 48 at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to the front porch. Hey, thanks for having me again. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, I used to work in uh, I used to work in Des Moines. And I got up this morning, and I went out to let my dogs out, and the temperature was 5 degrees with the wind chill minus 6. And it brought back memories of my time up there. Yeah, the cold the cold weather is kind of nostalgic, isn't it? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I, I remember my time in Des Moines and my time in Chicago, and oh, my gosh. Now I remember why I moved to Southern California. And, of course, now I'm back in Missouri. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> we go full circle. You know, God has plans for us all. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, what I, yeah, what I wanted to talk to you about today, uh, this is one of those things that's been on my mind and bugging me for a long time, and I never bothered to ask about it. So now I'm going to ask, what happens between death and and resurrection. I mean, the the Bible is full of you know the resurrection of the body and the whole thing, but also there was there was uh, Jesus on the cross telling the thief that today you'll be with me in paradise. Obviously, that's way before resurrection. So, what happens? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, the, the the quick answer is that your soul is separated from your body. And uh, your soul, which is really your, uh, the, the word in Greek there is where we actually get the word psychology, um, the psychology study of the mind or study of the soul. Um, you know, it, it, so, so the soul is really your life. And, and when Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep, he uses that word, uh, that, 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 that word, uh, I, think it, I think it's TikTok or something like that. Um, I know it when I see it, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's, it's your entire life, it's your entire, uh, your, your entire being, but just not your body. So, I mean, obviously your body is part of you and your body and your soul are meant to be together, but, uh, your body is in the grave. And, uh, and so that, and, 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 and because we have the hope of the resurrection on the last day where God will raise our bodies up, the scriptures speak of Christians who have died as asleep, that their bodies are asleep. This is, this is expressed really well in our, uh, in, in a great hymn, uh, uh, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. The, the last stanza says, Lord, let it last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home 
that I may die unfearing, and in this narrow chamber keep my body safe and peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And so our, our souls go to heaven uh, to be with God. Uh, the, 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 that stanza that I just quoted makes an allusion to, to uh, the, the parable that Jesus tells in Luke's Gospel about the rich man and Lazarus, that the, the poor man Lazarus died and his soul, or he, he himself, was carried up through the bosom of Abraham. So, so the scriptures are clear that when you die, you are with the Lord. And, uh, and, you, and, and Paul talks about departing this life, being hard-pressed between staying in this life and proclaiming Christ, or departing this life so that we, so he can be with the Lord. And so it, the, there isn't this, this, this I, some people have this idea that you're sort of just in, in sort of a, uh, a comatose sort of state where you're not conscious, and then finally you wake up on the resurrection. But that's really not what the Bible, that's not how the Bible describes life after death. There is, as you pointed out, Jesus says to the thief on the cross in Luke's Gospel, today you will be with me in paradise. And then so we know that the scriptures teach that we are in our souls with God, and yet, you know, after we die, and yet we are waiting for the resurrection of our bodies. Well, that's something I, I... I know that's theology, but something I can't quite understand. Now, if I'm already in heaven, my soul is already in heaven, uh-huh. why do I need my body? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, because God created your body. God intended for your... He created both your body and your soul. God intended for your body to be with him. And uh, this is the... This is, you know, this is a big, huge part of what we teach uh, from Scripture as Christians. God became flesh, and the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is still true man. He's still in the flesh. It's just that he is in his glorified, his exalted state at the right hand of the Father, so we can't see him until he is revealed in his glory on the last day. And so... So, so, so God cares tremendously about the body, and this is a very great comfort for those who are, who are suffering uh, from bodily ailments. And in fact, speaking of psychology, uh, with the soul, you know, <clears throat> depression. We had when you and I talked about depression a while back. Mm-hmm. You know about the kind of the blues, uh, the, the 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 holiday blues, yeah, yeah, the holiday blues, yeah that depression is often linked also with a physical ailment. And often sometimes there's, when it's really serious with a mental kind of uh, illness, there's, there's something biological about it, right? There's something, there's something that has to do with both the body and the soul. And they're, they're linked, and they're meant to be linked. And so for those who are, who are going through physical ailments and are being reminded of God's wrath against sin and death and, and, and the, 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 the wages of sin being death, it's a great comfort for them to know that God cares about their physical ailment so much that he's going to uh, raise them up on the last day, bring, raise up that very body, whether it's been decayed or, or burned or whatever, he's going to raise that body up and unite it back to the soul and transform that body to be exactly like Jesus, a spiritual body, as Paul calls it, or a heavenly body, 
as Paul calls it. And, uh, and what that will look like, well, we, we don't know. We, we don't know what, as John says in his first epistle, we are, we, we are children of God, but what we will be, we do not know yet. But when he, when, when Christ returns, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And so the body is very important. This is why we celebrate the incarnation. This is why we celebrate the birth of Christ on Christmas. This is why we felt this is why the crucifixion is so important. Jesus wasn't just tormented in his soul. He was also good, right? Whipped, crucified, nailed to a tree. His body is as much important as his soul. And, uh, and they, they're, they're, they're meant to be linked together. And so death is the separation of our, of our, our, our soul or our, our being, our life, from our bodies. And that's not a good thing. That's not how God intended it. And God promises to reunite um, our body and soul. And, and, and he's so intent on doing that that he himself, <clears throat> in the person of the Son, became a man, took on a real flesh and blood body, was crucified, and rose bodily from the dead. Okay? So, so we're not just looking forward to some sort of uh, uh, pie in the sky kind of, um, you know, maybe recreation of of of, uh, of childhood memories or something. It's just good vibes, right? Or nirvana, or whatever you want to call it. We're looking forward to seeing our Lord face to face, right? A face is a body, and you see this throughout the the, the incarnation. That is the, the the God becoming flesh. The word becoming flesh, becoming a human being. You see this anticipated throughout the Old Testament, especially when God talks about, you know, uh, sending his faith or his presence. This is the same word in Hebrew as faith with Moses. And then he says, you cannot see my face. You cannot see my face, but you see my backside. But then he, <laughs> then he has uh, Aaron uh, give a blessing and say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his what? Face on you, right? So this the, the the face of God is finally revealed in Christ, as Christ says to Philip, "If you have seen me, you have seen the Father." This is, so the body is very important because this is really gets to the center of of what we hope in um, that uh, and, and what saves us is that God became a man in order to save us in both body and soul. So death, even though the soul is now in heaven, that's not the end of the story. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is what's great is that on the cross, what does Jesus say right before he dies? You remember what he says right before he dies? It is finished. It is finished. Yeah. And he says, he says a couple things. He says, it is finished. And he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then God raises him up bodily on the third day. And so it's all done. It's all accomplished. He has made all things new, but we're still waiting for it all to be revealed. Right, so so the idea that somehow we're going to accomplish something kind of with God, and we're going to be His soldiers to like bring about, you know, something better, like a better tomorrow. It's like, well, no, no, no. Our goal on Earth as Christians is to not lose the hope that has already been given to us and has already been secured for us in heaven, um, and to be re- to be revealed on the last day when our when our bodies are raised and united back to our souls. And so, so, so it puts in perspective what what our purpose is on life, uh, uh, in life on earth. What are, what is our purpose as Christians? And that is simply to 
retain this promise, to keep this hope of the resurrection, this hope in Christ, right, who, who died for us and, and was raised again for our justification. And the body that is raised, you know, it may have may have been, died in childbirth, it may have lived 90 years and become decrepit. Uh, me, I've lost a good mm-hmm. chunk of my hearing, so... so. Yeah. So when I my body is resurrected, hopefully it'll go back to a good warranty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, well, that, yeah, that's right. And so you, you don't. It's so important for our conscience to know that our bodies are going to be resurrected because then we don't give up. We don't lose heart. Uh, when have you ever have you ever done a really hard workout and you just think. Uh, oh man, if this, if I had to do this forever, I, I, I just, I can't even think about it. Like you have to really remain focused in your mind when you're doing a workout and know that it's going to be over soon, right? The, 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 the bodily ailment that you're feeling or the bottle, bodily exhaustion, right? And real, really pain. If you didn't think that this was ever going to end, you would just despair. Um, and, and so this is, this is what, we have as Christians is that we, when, when we feel in our bodies the pain and exhaustion um, and is very much linked to our, 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 our spiritual exhaustion, we have comfort in knowing that this is not in vain. God is going to, what is, as Paul says, uh, that which is sown uh, in, in, in corruption is raised with, with incorruption, right, is raised to immortality. And as Jesus says, unless a seed falls to the ground and, and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, then it bears much fruit, right? And so Jesus' bodily death and resurrection bears the fruit for us, for us to be raised again on the last day. There was a news story that came out this week that really had me thinking about this issue. Uh, you may have heard about that. Uh, there was that abortionist in the Midwest uh, who had kept something like 2,200 aborted fetuses in his home. Yeah. And just uh, about two, three days ago, these fetuses were given a burial and were prayed over. Oh. It was, wow. Yeah, a beautiful thing. It really was. But here's my question. The fetuses were not baptized, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were not yet fully formed. So what happens mm-hmm. to them on the resurrection? They weren't baptized. They weren't, they weren't born yet. They didn't have their full bodies. What happens to them? Yeah, so I mean, the first thing to, just, to understand about the resurrection uh, and really about God's Word is that it is beyond our, our understanding. I mean, what's revealed to us is that those who die in the Lord will be raised to, to eternal life. Um, but this, this gets to why it's so evil, why plain God is so evil, because really what abortion is, and really any kind of like euthanasia or tampering, you know, cloning, that kind of stuff, you know, you're really plain God. And you're, you're, what you're doing, the real evil, the underlying evil behind it, now the outward evil is murder, right? But the underlying evil behind it is that people are trying to make themselves God. And that really goes back to the first sin. And uh, to, to know both good and evil, to have this knowledge that you think that God is holding out on you, you know, that God's not going to give you and you need to grasp it for yourself. 
So what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the mystery away from God and, 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 uh, and keep it for themselves. And, and this is, so, so as Christians, how do we react to this when we see, you know, these mass murder of babies who were in the womb so could not be baptized? We don't know if they heard the word. We don't know really much about any of these kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so there is a great mystery there. And the first thing, that, the, so the question is, how do we react to it? The first thing we should, we should do is fear God, right? And, and, and realize that, wow, this is a, this is a great sin against God. And God, and this is really should remind us of God's judgment against sin, you know, against those who would put their own intellect above God's wisdom. And then our second reaction should be to, to trust that God is both good and merciful and not make any other speculations outside of that. Luther talks about, um, he doesn't talk about our, the topic of abortion itself, because I, I don't think that that was really a big problem back then. I mean, I'm sure people still did it, but, uh, but, but, but Luther, Luther does get into, he does go after people who despise, you know, just despise children, procreation in general, but, but, but he doesn't really get after like the, this, this kind of murder of babies. But he does have one thing, though, that I think is pretty relevant to Christians, where he talks about, he writes something about, uh, it's called, it's a letter of comfort for women who have heard miscarriages and, uh, and, and stillbirth. And, uh, he talks about, he brings up Romans 8 26, that the Spirit intercedes for us with groaning to be for words. And he, and he, he directs us to the promise that God gives to prayer and to the intercession of the Holy Spirit. And when we think of these babies who are killed every day in our own country, you know, as Christians, we are, we're appalled by it, um, not only because it's morally abhorrent, but it is an attack on God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It's an attack on Christ who, who, who you know, who came to, to redeem children. And, uh, but we... We should, we should find hope then in the fact that the Holy Spirit is also interceding for us and crying out, Abba, Father, to God, and know that God is going to do what's good, and, um, and, and that God is going to answer our prayers in his mysterious wisdom. And, and, and that's, that should be a comfort for us, and that should be enough for us. And I think I would caution anyone from trying to make more of a speculation than what God's Word reveals. And that's not to say that you can't have comfort and hope, but it's a very specific kind of comfort and hope that is grounded in God's mercy, which is revealed in Christ, and also proceeds from the fear of God. Well, one one thing that I, I was wondering, perhaps, and, and I don't know how this stands scripturally, uh, when you are born... When we are born, we are born into sin. We understand that. You know, the old Adam is right there. But before we're yeah. born, are we perhaps in a state of innocence? And therefore, even without baptism, you know, because baptism washes away the original sin. But the child who's not yet been born, mm-hmm. that child so, necessarily. Um, so Paul, uh, David says in, 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 uh, in Psalm 51, he says, in sin, my mother conceived me. And we, we take that to, we take David to be speaking 
on our behalf as well. You know, he's, he's speaking for everyone. Everyone born of Adam is we are not just born in sin, we are born and conceived in sin. Mm. And that's why, you know, there is, there is doubt. There's, there's less certainty, I would say, um, that you can't avoid, right? I mean, you, if, you, if you bring your child to be, be, be baptized, you have that special certainty that God has claimed this child as your own. And if your child dies before baptism, yeah, you should take comfort in God's promise to answer your prayers, right, to, to comfort you, to do what's right and just and good um, and, and merciful. Um, but the fact of the matter is that you just you simply don't have as much certainty. Right? That, and that's not to say that you can't have any. Right? And, and the thing is, too, is that our certainty, and this is a really kind of a tricky thing for us to wrap our minds around, we have certainty not because we have figured things out, right? We have certainty because our faith is grounded in God's promise to, 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 to be merciful to us in Christ, to forgive us our sins, and to raise us up on the last day. That's where our certainty is grounded in, and that's why we can say that we can have full certainty in our salvation, and, and, it's, not, and it's precisely because we are not relying on our own understanding. So again, I know this, this sounds like I'm saying, just don't think about it. But I'm kind of saying that too, you know? Like, <laughs> there is a point where you just have to rely on the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In fact, that's what we always must be doing as Christians. And that's what faith does. So, so again, you know, to answer your question, uh, no, I mean, we can't, we, we, it be, it's dangerous for us to say, well, to assume that this child is innocent because it hasn't been born yet. Like, well, no, what makes the child sinful is not the coming through the, you know, the, out of the uterus. What makes the child sinful is the very conception. And, and again, this, this also corresponds to our stance that life begins when? At conception, right? And so, so, so we are born and conceived as human beings who are corrupted by sin. And, you know, if we, if, if we get into, if we get into, if we turn baptism into sort of this thing that, this hoop that we're jumping through in order to get saved, I think we're kind of missing the point. Baptism saves through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It saves through the promise of God. And so we should rely on that promise and, re, and, and, and depend on God, who we know is good. So that's, that's really, I can't really say that much more than that. Um, I, I, I do believe, I personally believe that my ch- child who died in the womb several years ago is in heaven, you know, and I, and, and, uh, I have, uh, I have every reason to be confident in that. Um, but I will also say that I have, I obviously have more confidence when, you know, in baptism, just because that's, that's what God has given us for our, for our confidence. So, and again, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, we, we naturally speak in this kind of like quantitative language, like we want to measure our confidence, but it, it, you know, we, we, we rely on God's word and his promise and we can't go anywhere, go anywhere else. So was the issue of, of children dying prior to birth ever really addressed in the Bible? Um, it is in the one the one that I can think of will be birth, huh? Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, 
there's reference to miscarriages um, and stillbirth. Um, and one thing that actually comes to mind is uh, in Isaiah, where Isaiah talks about the judgment of God being like a stillbirth. But then he talks about the barren woman who, by the way, a barren woman is not a woman necessarily who can't conceive. A barren woman may also, could also be considered a woman who might be able to conceive but can't hold a baby. Mm. And so she just has multiple miscarriages. You probably, maybe you've known women who have just not, they can conceive but they just have miscarriages all the time. Yes, I do. And that's a, that's a, it's a painful thing. Um, and, uh, so that, that so God has a, a special promise in Isaiah 54. He says, rejoice, O barren one, you who never bore. Um, and, uh, for, for the, for the children of the barren woman will be, will be greater than she who, who had a husband. Um, and by the, the implication there of having a husband is, is not that, that all married women are, are, are fruitful, <laughs> but having a husband that's someone who actually, um, who, 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 who actually, uh, is, is able to have a child with them. But anyway, so, so there you have some, you have great comfort for the barren woman, right? Does it specifically say your children who died are going to rise from the dead? Well, I mean, you do have the, the, the picture of heaven in Isaiah, what is it, 51? Something like that. In the 60s, something like that. I would get them confused where uh, no longer will a child live but a few days, but a child will live a hundred years, you know, and, uh, and the wicked who live a hundred years will be accursed. You know, this, this is basically that saying that there's going to be no death and, and there's going to be just judgment on the wicked. Right. At the, uh, but, but for those who fear the Lord, there's going to be no death. So I, there, again, it doesn't get into a specific kind of promise of, your specific child who died in the womb. But, you know, it's also very comforting to the woman because it, it, it is, it, it's promising her joy. And however God works that out, he's going to work it out. He's good. He's just, he's merciful. And, um, and he, and, and, and we rely on his promise that, that, that the barren woman will rejoice and it will be a good rejoice. And she'll rejoice with a good content and she will be, she'll have life. You know, and that, that gets to the resurrection of her body, right? Because her womb is part of her body. Hmm. Well, we got a lot more to talk about, Pastor. We've got to take a little break now. Okay. Okay, but we'll be back in about three minutes, and we'll talk some more about this. What happens between birth and death, at birth and resurrection? Weekday on the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of living boldly Lutheran, including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin.
Websites selling binary options claim they are low-cost, high-reward investments. What they don't tell you is that binary options are high-risk bets where the odds are stacked against you, that withdrawing money is often almost impossible, and the representatives will contact you with intense sales tactics or even threats. Protect yourself. Don't let anyone pressure you into making investments or quick decisions. Visit MissouriProtectsInvestors.com to learn more. Paid for by the Missouri Secretary of State's Investor Education and Protection Fund. Leo Tolstoy wrote, Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. This week on the Lutheran Hour, our sermon series on the book of Genesis draws to a close as guest speaker Dr. Dean Nattesty tells how God is at work even in unhappy families. That's this week on the Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Whether the heart longs for home or hope or peace, music helps the heart pray. Hear such music on the next Sing for Joy. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. by Victor Hugo in 1862 is considered one of the greatest novels of the 19th century. The Broadway musical adaptation in 1987 won eight Tony Awards and the movie in 2013 garnered three Academy Awards. Victor Hugo often alluded to Jesus and Paul in his writings. In his book entitled William Shakespeare, he highlights examples of great men referencing Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus from Acts 9. The road to Damascus shall be forever the root of great minds. It shall also be the root of nations. For nations, those vast individualisms have their crisis and their hours. Paul, after his august fall, arose again. Engage with the Bible, its impact in every sphere. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Today's guest pastor is Pastor Andrew Poist from Iowa. He's actually a pastor of two separate churches up there, as many of our pastors are. We are discussing what happens between death and resurrection. And, you know, what happens with the death occurs before birth. A lot of things going on there. If you have some thoughts or some ideas, or you have got a question, let us know. You can email it at uh, let's talk at, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you can email it to let's talk at kfuo.org. Or if you're in the St. Louis area, call in at area code 314-821-0850. Or in the lower 48, you can do it toll free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Price, I've just been looking at Isaiah 54. And it goes, sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Boy, there's a lot yeah. to unpack in that. Does that, that, that implies yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't answer necessarily every question that we want it to answer. But the, um, it is a promise of the resurrection and a promise that, you know, her 
but she, but she did not labor in vain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and this is something that, there, again, there's mystery to it, and there needs to be mystery to it, because there's, there's um, God's thoughts and not our thoughts. And that's in the next chapter of, of uh, Isaiah, where he says, you know, come, eat, come to the dinner, eat, and buy, buy with nothing, and buy bread, and... And then he says, "My my word will not return void. It'll 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 accomplish what it sets out to do." And then he goes and says, "My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. As far as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts from your thoughts, my ways from your ways." So there is this great mystery in the promise of the word. And so when we go to Isaiah 54, there of uh, the promise, and thank you for reading that, by the way, it helps refresh my memory that you know that this is uh, this is a, a promise that is clear. Um, that God is going to bring, uh, you know, he's going to bring fruitfulness, right? And yet there's some mystery to it all as well. Uh, the, is this implying then that all of her children who died in the womb, if she's, you know, this, what, is this barren woman a woman who, who uh, maybe conceived many children and couldn't bear them, and then they are, they have all... Uh, and then they, they, these children will be actually living, and I don't know. I don't know if uh, you can really go that far. Saying that, that, that I mean, I, I usually take this to uh, you know, in the context of Isaiah, you know, when he says things like the child will live a hundred years, will die at a hundred years. Well, of course, he's not saying that the child that people are going to die in the resurrection, you know, in the new in the new life. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, he's speaking poetically and speaking in the perfect number 100, uh, 100 years to, to just describe the resurrection. It's going to be a complete thing that the life in heaven, uh, in the new heaven, new earth is going to be a complete thing. So we do have to just be aware that there is, there is sort of a, there is a symbolic language used to describe, you know, what God promises, and that is a new heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells and life dwells and and there's no death. Um, and this is something that, you know, a great a great passage to go to is Revelation uh, chapter 7, you know, uh, and it's repeated again, I think, oh, chapter 20 or something like that, where he says, uh, they will hunger no more, they'll thirst anymore, the sun will not scorch them, um, the sun will not touch them, or any scorching heat, and, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, right? And to know that God's going to make everything right. Um, that he's going to uh, uh, satisfy your desires, you know, the desires of your heart. Um, uh, and that is uh, the, the good desires, right, the desires that he has put there. Um, and some of these desires include the longing uh, and weeping for, for your children. You know, Rachel weeps for her children. Uh, Jeremiah says, Rachel weeps for her children um, because they are no more, and she, she, she refuses to be comforted. But she is, she refuses to be comforted by earthly things. She refuses to be comforted by human reasons, by human promises, by earthly promises. But she does find her comfort in Christ, in the, uh, in, in, in the heavenly promise. And this is, uh, you know, brought up in, uh, you know, another example, uh, of this tragedy. Uh, this is brought up in, in what's known as the Holy Innocence, where, uh, these that the, were the children in Bethlehem, the boys under the age of two were all murdered by by Herod, right? And he was kind of, and they died for Christ's sake. That's what's interesting, because uh, Herod went to go kill the Christ child, 
and instead still be children. And, um, and we have every reason to, uh, to, to, to believe that these children were, were children of God, right? Uh, that they, uh, and, and, and this is why we commemorate their death, uh, as kind of the first martyrs, uh, you know, of Christ. And, you know, their, their death bears witness to, to the, the, the sign who is opposed, as, as, as Simeon says, and that is Christ, who's opposed by the nations who raids and fought a vain thing, um, and set themselves against the Lord and against his Christ. And, uh, and so it's all this, you know, the battle that we fight is a battle of faith. It's a battle of faith that God is going to, that God is, that, that God is going to bring about what is just and good. And, uh, we have these promises everywhere in, in, in the scriptures. So, you know, with, as far as Isaiah 54 goes, we know for sure that this is a promise of the resurrection and a promise that, that there will be rejoicing. There will be no reason to mourn. Um, death will be no more. And, you know, as far as the specific children, um, I think that I, it, it is certainly not a bad thing to apply this to your child who has died. Right. And, and take comfort, you know, for women who have suffered miscarriages, it's certainly appropriate and, and very fitting for them to read this passage from Isaiah 54 and to great comfort in it, um, that, uh, that God is going to, that he is going to, uh, bring about truth and, uh, life and, uh, and, 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 uh, and the resurrection and, and, and to, and, and to, be, and to believe that your child who died in the womb, you know, uh, the child of a, of a Christian, that God answers your prayers for that child, right? right. I, one of the things that we just got to be careful with is that we don't try to systematize this. Like you talk about, you talk about, you know, not necessarily getting into a deep theological discussion. I think what you, what, what by theology or theological, what you might mean is more like systematic or academic or philosophical, right? And we've got to be careful. So theology is for every Christian. You know, when, when my two-year-old says, today, this morning, or my three-year-old, he's putting up a, he's, he's vandalizing the wall by putting duct tape on it. But he's making crosses and then telling me, Daddy, Jesus died on the cross to take away our sin. So I can't be mad at him, but he's doing a good life, even though he's messing up our wall. But, uh, but anyway, you know, he, what he's doing is he's talking theology with me. I think that what you're getting after, you know, with, with sometimes we can use the word theology to describe, like, deep academic or philosophical exercises. And we always want to be careful with that, that we're not trying to sort of systematize this and say, well, children of, of Christian parents, of course they're saved because they are by virtue of being Christian parents. Not having Christian parents and they're in this covenant and stuff like that, that becomes a dangerous road to go down. While that, that at first that sounds like a good thought, and that and, and, and it certainly is a it's a good thing to believe that uh, that these children that for the for these children's sake, their parents' prayers are heard, right, by God. But it, I think we've got to be careful that we're not creating sort of like this new dispensation of grace that God does not that. that that might inadvertently actually attack or undermine the, the great assurance that God does give us in His Word and sacraments. And, you know, there are certain uh, Christian groups that deny, for example, that baptism saves, or they deny that, the, that God is actually in His Word and that you simply can rely on the promise of the Gospel, and they always have to add kind of their own 
decision into it or their own sort of commitment into it in order for it to be sort of a complete uh, kind of covenantal certainty, right, that they have. And, 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 and they're the ones who often are going to kind of just try to systematize and explain, you know, what happens to unbaptized babies or whatever, you know, that they're going to try to use their human reason to come up with this scheme that, while well-intentioned, it often it, 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 it ultimately is going to undermine the actual promises that God made. So, while, so what I would say is, yes, if you are a Christian and you have suffered a miscarriage, take comfort in the fact that God answers your prayers. And that he, he answers the prayers even that you don't even know you were praying, because the Holy Spirit was, was, was interceding for you, throwing you to your words. Take comfort in that promise, and the promise of the resurrection of the, of, of the body. Take comfort in the fact that Jesus died for all people. He died for your baby. Um, and, um, but don't, but I would caution people against trying to sort of rationalize it by turning, by like sort of creating kind of this new covenant, or this, or this, this, uh, human covenants, you know, kind of man-made covenants well, like um, I, that God never made. Like when I Go speculated ahead. in error uh, that the child who has not yet been born was is is not is not uh, subjected to the evil. Although you pointed out in the Bible, it says, you know, conceived in evil. And here I was yeah. trying to put my interpretation on what I see on a human level. But going yeah. back to Isaiah again, you know, 55, chapter, uh, 55 uh, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the law. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's hey, pretty, I, I uh, pretty explicit. It. I almost it down. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, that's absolutely, that's, that's, and, the, and, the, and the thing is, is that we all do this, right? We're always, we have, like you said, we have our old Adam, and it's, and the old Adam is always trying to come up with something else. It's always trying to come up with a different explanation than what God promises. Because the old Adam doesn't believe God's promises. Right? <laughs> and so, and so we all do this. You know, there's a, I don't know how many times I have, in the back of my mind, kind of hoped that hell doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> you know that's the old Adam. But, you know, the old Adam needs to die, and we, and we, we, we find then that when the old Adam dies, and it hurts when the old Adam dies, um, because we're not allowed to take, because then we're not able to take, uh, uh, find certainty in the schemes of the old Adam, which actually at first sounds pretty good. So it hurts to go through that, but in the end, it is so much more comforting to simply rely on God's promise that Jesus died for everyone, that Jesus bore the sin of the whole world, he took away the sin of the whole world, that through him righteousness has come to all men. And uh, while, yes, people reject that, um, we take comfort in that, and, we, and we, we, we rely on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is in our hearts, pleading to God for Christ's sake for us, without us, even when, when we're not able to pray as we are. And that is a great, that I think is really where Luther brings us to that focus, and I think he's right to do that. So the idea being that we don't understand the answers, but there is, mm -hmm. the answer is there. And well, actually, the danger is mm -hmm. in trying to assume that we know what the answers are, or trying to okay. rationalize them out. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and there and there's like uh, you know, <laughs> this actually gets into old philosophical debates that I won't bore you with. Um, <laughs> but you know about like whether whether the whether truth is already enough or or it's only something that is uh, that is like revealed, right? And so there's a bunch of different implications and connotations with all that stuff. And but anyway, but but yeah, there is uh, while it's true that we do have a certain knowledge of God, right? Even by nature, it's corrupted by sin, and so it's really not a real knowledge. It's a, it's a sort of you know even a it's an unbelieving king is going to punish murderers, right? Yeah. And they're going to know that these things are wrong. I mean, you look at, like, the old, you know, the Code of Hammurabi or the or the old Roman laws, and there's lots of really good laws there, and they're not Christians. So there is this kind of natural knowledge of God, and so that human reason is capable of understanding certain outward things. But we, as Christians, know that the old Adam, the human reason, is, is at enmity with God and sets itself above God, and we, we cannot rely on that. And again, at the same time, we shouldn't beat ourselves up too much. I mean, we should repent, obviously, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't despair, is what I'm saying. We shouldn't think like, oh, you're never going to get it right. But no, 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 don't despair. The old Adam is always there. As, as, as we say in the Catechism, on this sixth petition, uh, we pray that, you know, God tempts no one, but we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh would not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, or other great shame and vice. So false belief might be something like speculation, right? Vain speculation. Although we are assailed by these things, or attacked by these things, we pray that we would finally overcome them and win the victory. And really the word there that Luther uses in the German is to retain the victory, keep the victory. Because remember, the victory is already ours. And so if you're struggling with this kind of stuff, you're simply, you're in a spiritual battle, um, and you are in the fortress of God that, that the devil is trying to overcome. But remember that, that they haven't won anything. The, the victory already ours remaineth, right? It, 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 the victory has already been won, and we are simply in that state of hope. Right, and so this kind of to go full circle with your question of like, okay, so what is the state? What's the state of the soul? Um, the soul is we are sown in hope. This is what the, that's what the soul has. The soul has hope, and um, and it also you know it, it sees like we can talk about how like you know your Christian mother dying in the faith, you know, she sees her savior, right? But but then again, we can't really tap into what all that entails. What does that look like? Well, we don't know. We're not there yet. Um, but we do know that 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 the, that those who have departed, our beloved who have departed in the Lord, are with the Lord, and uh, and that they are in the state of of hope with us. And that's where that 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 really is. Uh, you know, where where you have that unity between the uh, the church triumphant, as we call it, mm-hmm. and the church militant. So the church in heaven is the church triumphant. And the church militant is the church is still fighting here on earth, but we still we have, we share that same hope with them, um, because even though they are at rest, they still hope. Uh, that is that they wait, not in an uncertain hope, like I hope this happens, but they're waiting um, with us 
um, for the for the resurrection, and that's kind of alluded to in Revelation when you have the uh, the martyrs who have been you know who, who were killed for the faith who are kind of crying out to God, "How long, O Lord?" You know, and uh, that's in that hymn, uh, "The Church is One Foundation." It's a beautiful hymn, and um, talking about that that union that we have with the Church triumphant because we have that same hope in Christ. Well, it, it goes back to, I think, the very basic question of the left-handed and right-hand kingdoms, where the, uh, the church militant is part of the left-hand kingdom, the church triumphant is the right-hand kingdom. Or am I misinterpreting huh. that? Well, you're not, you know what, I, that, that's interesting. That's something, you, they're not quite, but there is something to that. Um, the, the, the church militant is in the right-hand kingdom, right, because it's the church, right? So that they're, the right-hand kingdom is the church. It is. It is the reign of the gospel in our hearts and minds. Uh, but you are certainly right that the, the church militant lives within the left-hand kingdom. So we still have to deal with, you know, worldly things. Because the left-hand kingdom is that is is basically just the rule through the rule of bodies and coercion of bodies um, through the uh, through threats and through laws and stuff like that. And God rules through that. He keeps outward order, and so. Um, we live in the experience both as Christians uh, on earth, um, but as Christians, you know, properly speaking, um, we are part of the right-hand kingdom. That is, our hearts and minds, our consciences are ruled by the grace of God. So, so yeah, I mean, there's something to that. that you, the the, the left-hand kingdom it doesn't exist in heaven. <laughs> it's, it's only right-hand kingdom there. And in the meantime, we kind of we live under grace, but we also... And we're ruled by the gospel, but we also have to experience, because of our sinful flesh, our sinful bodies, and the sinful world, we still have the law, right? And the, and the coercion of the law that's there, and, and the struggle, you know, with, with human reason and stuff like that. So. Well, i got to tell you, being a Lutheran <laughs> is simultaneously very hard and very easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's the word of God. It's it's simple. Like I said, my three year old son understands it, and um, and it's but it's also deep as an ocean. So. Yeah, we will have these trials, and we will have these tribulations, and you know, Jesus never promised that it's going to be easy. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. But we know that the victory is won. It's already won. Yeah. We're just not there yeah. yet. You and I are not there yet. Our time is not the same time as God's. But That's we, right. Yeah, but we know that victory is there. Woo! Yeah. Heavy yeah. thoughts, I yeah, tell you. <laughs> so we've got a lot going on here. I mean, this is, you know, right now this country is facing the question of abortion. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those areas, I think, where... Oh boy, how to how to phrase it? It is so obviously a a matter of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at people who who support abortion. I have friends and families who who friends and uh, family members who are in favor of uh, abort what they call court abortion rights. Uh, yeah, yeah, reproductive rights. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah. How can we, you and I, as Lutherans, as Christians, who know the truth, we can never accept that. 
And, you know, and that's one of the things that, that the society is facing right now with the uh, with this with this question is that there is no room on either side for compromise. Yeah, yeah, that is really interesting, and um, it, it it makes sense. You know, there's a there. You know, we live peaceably. Paul said, Paul urges us to live peaceably with all people as much as it depends on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes people who are totally um, at odds with uh, what we believe he can confess. And, but he says as much as, much, as, as, much as it's possible, as much as it, as it depends on us. Um, and he's implying there then that, that it's not always going to be possible. And, uh, and the reason for that is that we don't stop confessing the truth. And we confess that life begins a conception, that God creates man uh, in the womb, in his own image, that man is corrupted by sin, that God sent his only begotten son to die for all, for all people. Uh, and we keep confessing that. And uh, it's not going to be in vain. And many people have come to faith, have been, you know, they, they've been many people who supported abortion, many Christians who were... Uh, who were who have been confused about abortion? Abby Johnson. And, uh, come to realize, yeah, yeah. And I, in fact, I had a friend. I have a friend who uh, I remember talking to him a long time ago about abortion, and he was like, kind of, well, what about the woman's right and stuff like that? And then I explained to him what abortion was, and uh, he went and looked into it more. And the next day, he was just totally, totally turned around on it. You know, he just didn't realize how terrible it was. I think that's one of the reasons why pro-abortion forces are so adamant about getting rid of the uh, idea of a sonogram before the uh, before an abortion, so the woman doesn't actually see what she's doing. Yeah, and even those things. uh, I was watching a documentary on on that. That even those those sonograms, if you have a if you go into an abortion clinic and they have to show you a sonogram, they can show it to you in such a way where it just looks like a clump of cells. Right, it, 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 they can they can technically jump through that hoop of showing you like you know or a, a, a what they call the ultrasound. Yeah, um, they can jump through that hoop, but then still deceive the woman into thinking that oh yeah, it just looks like a clump of a clump of cells, and it's not you know you don't see but you don't see its face and stuff like that. So really, there's a lot of there's a lot of deceit that could go into that. So. You know, they don't want, but yeah, they, they, you're right. They don't want to see the child face to face. And this gets back to the whole point of, of, uh, the body, right? Mm-hmm. To, to look someone in the face is, uh, all of a sudden it, it puts a different perspective on it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Pastor, boy, this has been an intriguing, uh, an intriguing conversation. There's so much out there that we need to know and so much that we don't know. And yet, you know, if you look at the Bible, if you read it, the answers are perhaps there. You may not want to know some of the answers because, you know, sometimes sin and evil are very attractive. And being a Christian is very, very difficult. But as we said, the victory is there. We know it. It's already won. I want to thank you, Pastor, for being on the program, and uh, we'll be doing it again soon. You've been listening to Let's Talk. The Pastor is in.
been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.